Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cricket with an Accent. And I'm honored and absolutely delighted to be joined by Kevin Hand from uh, London, uh, who's, uh, you know, doesn't need an introduction. He's a commentator and broadcaster and writer for BBC and, you know, talks cricket all year long. So he's here to definitely take this conversation to a different level. Hey, Kevin, thanks for doing this. Not at all. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I know you're a busy man and you were just on air. Uh, just uh, just walk us uh, about your how your day was and what match you covered and then we can, you know, get into the uh, conversation part of this. Well, today was quite a come down. Um, on Thursday night and Friday night, Middlesex were playing at Lords on Friday, on Thursday in front of uh, 22,000 and then on Friday in front of 22,000 as well. But today um, they took their T20 blast match to one of their outgrounds in Richmond um, and it was only in front of three, 4,000 people. Um, and it wasn't a very good day either. Uh, Middlesex were reduced to 39 for six. They managed to recover to 131 all out. But um, in the end, Glamorgan, uh, who were the visitors, chased it down with seven overs to spare. So it was a very comfortable day for the visitors and not such a good one for Middlesex. Uh, okay, that's good to know. So we'll definitely come back on the white ball versus the red ball and all the you know conversation that surrounds, uh, you know, uh, the health of the game across all formats, but let's definitely talk about the big news. You know, the big test match that you know was played at Baston uh, only two days ago. Actually, yesterday, uh, England was victorious, and which was uh, you know uh, as good as advertisement for the longest format, which we all you know uh, care so much about. And Virat Kohli was definitely you know in his element, rising to the occasion. So, uh, is this a you know can, can Test cricket get any better? And uh, for all the critics who think. Uh, there's not enough following for the game. What, what, what do you have to say, Kevin? Well, you know, Virat Kohli said it at the end of the match himself. This is the pinnacle of the sport. This is what he cares most about. This is what his team cares most about. All of the players do. Still, when you speak to the majority of players across the world, their dream would be to play in a test match like this that has just finished. Um, over here at the moment, there are comparisons between this test and the Test Series with Australia in 2005, which is regarded as one of the greatest England Test Series of the modern era. Um, obviously, the Ashes has always been a big thing between England and Australia. Um, so to be regarded um, alongside that 2005 Ashes Series when England's, um, what was it, 2016-year uh, wait for, um, for the Ashes when they eventually won it back, to say that this Test already um, has put this series uh, close to the 2005 series is a huge statement and it's made by um, many of the greats who have watched the game over the last four days. So it was a fantastic advert for Test cricket. Um, it was gripping. You know, I, I got up um, having watched T20 two nights consecutively. I'd watched as much of the Tests as I could. Uh, and I got up on that final morning fully expecting India to win, but feeling that there'd be a twist. Um, the twist was incredible. Um, and it was... A joy to behold, you know, the emotion um, was something I think that's incomparable in the other formats of the sport. Um, if I was to think of, off the top of my head, uh, a, a T20 international um, for England that really came close to this, then it would only be the final against the West Indies. And even that, it was fun. It was great. But the emotion, the drama... Um, it didn't compare um, because that is why it's called Test Cricket. That's why Virat Kohli stood there at the end of the match and said, this is the pinnacle. Um, and I really hope that that is just the start of this series because if this series could light up 
um, test cricket the way that the first test has given us a glimpse that it could, then we could be in for a really special treat across the next few weeks. Absolutely. Kohli himself said this uh, sets up the series quite well. Uh, Indians, the same side, I think, uh, with not many changes were, you know, they were here, this group four years ago under MS Dhoni. They won uh, a test match at large, but then after that, it became a pretty one-sided contest. India does have the bowlers, even though Bhuvneshwar Kumar, their best bowler, is not going to be part of the first few tests. Uh, but uh, they have already taken 20 wickets, so that's definitely looking good. Uh, so what do you make of the Indian batsmen? I know uh, most teams from Asia sometimes struggle in the initial part of the series. Uh, what do you take of the other Indian batsmen that you've seen or have you followed them besides Kohli? Because Kohli's already, you know, <laughs> proven his class once again, uh, scored 200 runs here. But how about the other uh, members of the top order look and do you expect any changes for the second test from India? Well... <sighs> The batsmen I felt a lot of sympathy for on both sides in this test match. I know the question is initially about India, but if I could start with England. Um, we're at the moment in the middle of a 2020 tournament where there's an occasional championship match dropped in. Um, and in that championship match, it's unfair on the batsmen because they're in white ball mode. So all of a sudden, they're expected to play first-class cricket against a red ball that's swinging their mindset is to attack, and they're not getting the proper match the match practice ahead of a test match series. David Milan plays for Middlesex, and he's a prime example. Um, of the three champion first-class matches that he's played since the end of, or the, the middle of May, um, really, they've been non-contest. One of them was played with a pink ball, a day-night match, so the ball swung around corners under lights, and the game was over in two days. Um, so it was terrible preparation for the batsmen. For um, the last match that they played, it was a one-off match, again, dropped in the middle of the 2020 season. Um, and the runs across the match in all innings, they were playing Warwickshire, a very strong side, um, with Ian Bell and Jonathan Trott. And the runs across the match were down probably 30% for me per innings, um, at least, um, for the for this time of season, for that quality of batsman. And that's because they haven't had the proper preparation to face the red ball and going into this test, it was the same for India. India have come off the back of the one-day series against England. Um, they needed to face the red ball, swinging red ball in English conditions for at least two or three warm-up matches. They had one warm-up ma- match against Essex at Chelmsford, um, which actually probably isn't a great warm-up match because Chelmsford is renowned for being a very dry ground. So how much swing there was in that match, I'm not so sure. Um, they were given a test, but you need a couple of warm-up matches. And that's one of the big things in world cricket at the moment, test cricket. When touring sides come, these are very short test tours. And as a result, there's not much preparation in the um, conditions that the visiting team aren't used to. Um, and that's been apparent for India in the first test. And I really hope that from the second test going forward, the rest of the Indian batsmen can follow uh, Kohli's lead because Kohli is clearly a man who um, leads from the front and he drags his team with him, as he very nearly did in this. Um, the big change, um, I think, really is, I don't know, the batting is there and it's exciting and there's been a lot of debate on those that are there at the moment. But I think all of the all of the ingredients are there for... Um, for India, um, obviously, a lot of it is going to rest on Kohli, as we discussed. Um, but the name that's really being talked about at the moment is Pajara, because he played at Yorkshire at the start of the season. As I mentioned to you, the Red Bull preparation that David Milan, for example, who has now been dropped for the second test, uh, the preparation that he had it involved five um, 
first-class matches at the beginning of the season in April and in May. Now, at that time of the year in England, the ball is swinging. The light is bad. The pitches are damp. Um, the ball swings dramatically. There's a lot of overhead um, cloud uh, generally in April and May to affect conditions. And Pajara at Yorkshire suffered from this. And a very fine point was made at the end of the match um, by Michael Holding, I think, that had Pajara not have played at Yorkshire at the start of the season, it's quite possible he would have played in the first test. But because he played at Yorkshire and didn't have the best time of it, he's now been dropped for the first test. And um, I agree with what he's saying, that Pajara should come back in for the second test um, because he's too good a talent. Um, with that kind of talent, one shot can change everything. Adam Gilchrist spent some time with me on mic a few years back and um, he talked to me about form as a batsman. And he said form is something that a batsman should never think about. Because one cover drive, one sweetly timed shot through out of the middle of the back can all of a sudden shake down your whole technique, your whole mentality, and all of a sudden you can be right back where you want to be. And Pajara is the kind of class batsman that you want in your side, even if he's out of form, because you back him to go good. So that's the one change, I think. Uh, who he comes in for? Well, listen, it's difficult. I think the Indian coaches and Kohli will be... Kohli, of course hasn't had a great record in England coming into this series and he'll know why. And he's made changes. You can clearly see the changes that Kohli has made coming into the series and he's reaped the benefit of it in the first test, uh, very nearly seeing his time, his team over the line on that final morning. He will know best which of the players he's got that can adapt to English conditions. And especially at Lords, which is the second test. Lords has the slope. Lords relies heavily on overhead conditions um, now, I'd expect that the over condi overhead conditions, as the forecast stands at the moment, are going to be quite good for batting. At Lords, it's you look up, not down. So no matter what the pitch is doing underneath you, look up. On that first morning, if there's some cloud cover, you bowl. If it's blue skies, no matter what the pitch is underneath you, you bat. Um, so um, don't expect a Lords pitch to break up, for example. So you don't need to look further than the first morning and trying to get that early advantage. So, yeah, the big change, I think, for me is um, that he comes in. Other than that, all the ingredients are there for India. Everybody's very excited about this test series. Um, and for India to come here and everybody think – there was part of me that hoped India actually would win that first test for what you said about the previous series. If India had won that first test, there'd been so much pressure on England to perform in home conditions, and I'd have backed them to do that. So it is the big question now, can the Indian batsmen stand up in England? Um, where we are actually going through an extremely hot period of weather. So that will help them in terms of the pitches. But for sure at Lords, especially with the slope, um, that will play a big part. Um, and Kohli will know best, as um, will the selectors, which of the Indian batsmen will be able to adapt their game best to the conditions in this country. Uh, sure, I think you hit upon some very interesting points. And uh, as fans, we keep discussing this because back in the day, I've been following cricket since the late 80s when I was introduced to the sport. And uh, these tours for England and Australia, these all these tours had a lot of first-class warm-up games. And uh, normally a team from uh, Asia, that part of the world, India or Pakistan, they would go play four or five tests. And the whole tour would last at least two and a half to three months. And they'll, they'll have ODIs at the end. So you think this year's scheduling India playing ODIs at the beginning, is that a new... Uh, is there a new itinerary? Uh, usually they do play test first or these things don't matter because the ball, like you said, swings too early uh, or, or, or more frequently in the early part of the summer. So you think that's something uh, just to change, uh, to change things up? I, you know, I'm a big fan of playing the ODIs 
and the white ball before the test series because it always feels like um, it carries more weight for all of the formats. If the te- if the ODIs and the T20s come first, I always feel like they're serving as a great um, starter for the main course. Um, and the main course is the tests, and the dessert might just be if it's a five test series and it goes to the fifth test and it goes to the final day, then that's when we're spoiled with you know a tasty chocolate pudding at the end of it all. But um, I I think. <sighs> The problem was they have to commit more time to test cricket um, and there's an awareness in this country and there's been a lot of commentators uh, on the international level, Jonathan Agnew, uh, Nasser Hussain, um, a lot of them have spoken out probably for the first time I think en masse um, to say what a lot of it have felt for a long time. Now of course these guys work for broadcast partners so obviously they have to be careful what they say so it was interesting that this was the moment that they chose on both sides of the major broadcast um, uh, partners of the EPB to say test cricket needs more protection. Now, like I say, for me, I'd I'd always prefer the ODIs and the 2020s first, but then the touring side, whatever country they're in, they need two minimum, three um, tour matches to come to terms with the conditions of the country they're playing in. Um, Now, I don't think it's too much to schedule that in. Um, this test series is scheduled quite um, condensely in the next few weeks. Uh, obviously, this match was meant to finish today, so the next match starting on Thursday. Um, it's close It's close enough together as it is. But look, we're talking about the pinnacle of the sport. Kohli has said it himself. This is the pinnacle of the sport. The India batsman needed more time um, to face a red ball, a Duke's ball as well. That was another big talking point. The Duke's ball in this country uh, obviously helps the bowlers um, considerably, whereas Kookaburra, for example, is not so helpful for the bowlers. So that's one of the big adjustments as well, not just the overhead conditions, but also the type of ball that they're facing. Um, so, yeah, the, the Indians for sure coming into this um, match have um, been done a disservice by just one tour match against Essex over three days. Uh, it was actually brought down from four days to three days because of the um, freak weather conditions that they had leading up to that match. It was extremely hot. The outfield was very, very dry and actually quite dangerous. Middlesex, the team that I follow regularly, um, had played there um, just a couple of weeks before. And in a T20, some of the fielding was um, embarrassing, but it, through no fault of their own because the outfield was so bad so dry um so i can understand the decision to go from four to three days in that match but nonetheless it doesn't take away from the point that they needed at least one more tour match at a different ground maybe somewhere in the north of england where um the pitches are damper um in general then perhaps that would have been better scheduled than having the tour match at chelmsford in the south of england and chelmsford essex is actually um the driest of the grounds in county cricket so again i don't think it really helped them um, to any great extent. But look, I'm sure they will correct their game. They're up against, as well, um, the greatest England, English swing bowler in James Anderson, and that's very, very tough. Um, you know, Coley against Anderson. Anderson's got a very good record against Coley in this country because um, that Duke's ball, it swings for Anderson, and he's a master of his art of where to place that ball, where to leave that ball, and if he needs to, where to adjust the ball um, to undo a batsman. Uh, now, Coley had a response to him in this match and that is mouthwatering because that was the point where everybody couldn't leave their boxes, um, you know, couldn't leave their set-top boxes, whether it, you know whether it was a tablet device or a, or a TV, whatever they were watching through. And likewise in the ground, that was the moment where everybody put down their drink or put down their food and watched that cricket because Coley against Anderson, 
um, is the peak of the pinnacle of our sport. It was wonderful to watch. And, you know, that, as we've said, is something across the series that we look forward to. But that's a warning for the rest of the Indian batsmen as well, because against Anderson, they're up against um, a gun bowler in home conditions with a juke ball and, and conditions against which they haven't had much practice just yet. Uh, you think uh, going back to that contest, like you rightfully said, it, it was as, as box office as it gets in cricket. It was, uh, you know, ball versus bat at, you know, uh, at, at its finest. But do you think Anderson yeah. bowling that long spell, uh, you think the England played that card? Of course, they came out of the right end of the test match. But do you think they just kind of overextended him? Maybe they could have used him in shorter bursts? They have to be careful, but they knew Anderson versus Kohli was key to the match. And, you know, he was dropped in the first innings, Kohli, uh, on, what, 20, um, when Milan at second slip put down the catch. And, um, you know, it could have been different tests had that catch have been held. Um, as it was, you very nearly won. Um, and, you know, it was probably one of the catches that we all have to be very thankful of that it put down one of the... Again, a good friend of mine and one of the leading uh, commentators over here, Daniel Norcross, he tweeted and said perhaps by dropping that catch, Daniel uh, Darwin Milan um, had revived te- test cricket in that he made this fantastic test match by not holding on to that catch. Um, so th- th- there's lots of variables. Um, I think with Anderson, obviously England have to be careful of his age. Um, he's had a shoulder injury coming into this um, test series. Uh, they've been very, very careful of him all summer so far um, and tried to manage his workload and ease him back into um, into play. So there's been talk of rotation coming into the series, um, but especially at Lords where swing bowlers will be really rewarded using that slope as well. Um, I can't imagine Anderson will be ro- rotated for Lords in any way. Um, so I'm sure they'll go again with him in this series, in this test. And having gone one nil up in the series, um, then perhaps they can manage his workload better in this. But you're, you're absolutely right. This is um, something they have to be careful of because um, Sam Curran was a very excited, exciting addition in this test, you know, left-arm swing bowler uh, at good pace. And one day I'm sure he'll be able to step up and in some way replace Anderson. Nobody's really going to replace Anderson when he does finally finish. But England will hope it's a long way away. And Test cricket will hope it's a long way away because you need bowlers like Jimmy Anderson to make sure, as you said, with that balance, that the bat is always just slightly on top of the ball. Absolutely. And on that note, England, you know, let's look at the composition. David Milan has been dropped and Chris Wokes comes in uh, for Ben Stokes. So Ben Stokes, again, you know, was the X factor. He did get the better of Kohli on that, you know, fourth morning, which became you know the most crucial turning point for the game so how do you see the team composition and uh, who really ch- uh, stands in for stokes and and if cook doesn't come good english batting is uh, still reliant pretty much heavily on uh, root and uh, maybe johnny Bairstrow. absolutely um for stokes it's once that comes in um so uh, it's quite a straightforward swap in terms of yes wokes He's a very good bowler. Wokes has had his own injury problems, and I saw him play uh, Red Bull cricket two weeks ago um, uh, against Middlesex at Lords, and he really wasn't at his best at all. He was still a long way short of his best. Um, a year ago, I saw him at Lords uh, destroy Middlesex with a very strong batting lineup. Uh, Middlesex were champions in 2016. Uh, in 2017, Wokes in particular took Middlesex apart at Lords. Um, and went through a top order that included uh, Nick Compton, not long ago England opener, Nick Gubbins, who not long, not too far in the distance, he'll be in the England reckoning as well. Sam Robson, again, England opener. 
uh, Darwin Milan. Um, so, you know, they had a really strong side out and Wokes went through them. Um, I think they were about 80 or so for nine. Uh, the tail scored about 30 runs, but even still it was a heavy defeat for Middlesex on that match. And that was actually the beginning of the slide for Middlesex last season. Um, that match, it was devastating from Stokes. Uh, sorry, from Wokes. Um, and you looked at it and thought, wow, this is seriously an international class bowler um, who's way above his level here. But two weeks ago in this same fixture as last year, he looked a long way off the pace um, and didn't look anything out of the ordinary at all. So that's a problem for um, for England because Stokes as a talent, but Stokes as a um, character is almost impossible to replace, I think. You know, he's got that Andrew Flint off that Ian Botham once in a generation. Uh, I mean, it even skipped a generation from Botham to Flint off. It was a long while for England to find that all-rounder that replaced Botham. Um, fortunately for English cricket, they've replaced Flint off with Stokes in a reasonably short space of time in the next generation. But um, yeah, Stokes is irreplaceable. Wokes, at his best, as a bowler in particular, um, can be excellent, especially in English conditions. And I've seen him do it myself at Lords. So England will hope that they can have him ready to fill that role. Um, but with, again, this is a four-seam attack and this is the um, beauty of the all-rounder, of course, especially for England. And that's why for England, in between both of them and Flintoff, it was such a big thing. England would play four bowlers because they didn't have an all-rounder and then all of a sudden the batting was light or they'd play three bowlers and the batsmen were heavy but still not performing and the bowlers weren't getting the wickets either with three of them. So... So now they're going to go into the match with Wokes as the fourth seamer um, and three guys ahead of him who he'll be hoping and have open, will have opened a door or two before he even comes on to bowl. So, yeah, they'll be hopeful that they can get it right at Lords. Um, as you mentioned, go back to the Anderson point as well. Wokes has to step up because he has to take the uh, burden off Anderson back-to-back test matches, especially with his age, especially with the shoulder problem. Um, but I... I'm sure those coaches for England, they've got some good bowling coaches. Chris Silverwood, I know very well. Uh, he's an excellent man and an excellent coach. I'm sure he'll work with uh, Wokes and make sure that he gets the basics right. Because if he gets the basics right, um, then steam bowlers, swing bowlers at Lords with the slope can have a lot of fun, even on a sunny day. Uh, one more thing that I want to bring up, uh, still relevant, is the Adil Rashid selection. And it, you know, it was uh, hugely debated all over Twitter. And uh, how do you see that player who was not available to or has made himself unavailable to play for his, you know, uh, county cricket, you know, the red ball cricket, and now gets a call from the national selectors? Uh, what kind of dilemma is that according to you? Um, I don't see it as that big a dilemma. His old coach at um, Yorkshire, Jason Gillespie, the Australian seamer, uh, is now down at Sussex and he wrote a fine piece for the Guardian newspaper. And I know um, I'm lucky to know Jason very well through a friend. Um, and there's more behind the Adil Rashid story at Yorkshire in terms of personal differences. Uh, a lot's been focused on the fact that he said he didn't want to play red ball uh, and he only wanted to play white ball. Well, the way the international summer shapes up at the moment, actually the white ball summer can be pretty demanding. When you throw in the 2020 competition domestically, the T20 Blast, uh, the One Day Cup, which is played in a five-week block here, um, and you also then consider the England white ball commitments, uh, then throwing the fact that Rashid obviously was having personal differences at Yorkshire. He decided, look, I can come back and play the one-day game for you, but I can't go around and play first-class cricket for you at the moment. That was more about Rashid and Yorkshire than it was about Rashid and first-class red ball cricket. 
So I've got no problem at all with um, Rashid being called up to test cricket. Um, you know, listen, if <laughs> what well, I think probably the most succinct way of putting that answer is, had Adil Rashid said no when they called him up for test cricket, then what would we be saying about Adil Rashid? But Adil Rashid said yes, and he's tried very hard, and he took that crucial wicket with the googly as well um, at the end of the match. He can also offer a lot with the bats. So um, I... I have a lot of sympathy for the players. Owen Morgan, the England captain, um, played his first first class match in three years earlier this summer. Um, September 2015 was the last time he faced a red ball. Now, that's a long time. He's the England captain. There's even been talk um, with him playing for Middlesex this summer. Um, red ball cricket, could he get back in the test side? Because, as you mentioned, the heavy reliance on Alistair Cook, uh, Bearstone Roots. Um, so could Morgan, who obviously is an exceptional cricketer, as uh, the IPL has proved as well, and also an exceptional brain for cricket, um, just having him inside, um, uh, you know, he reads the game very well and he'd be great for the captain if he was in the test side. But again, he's a cricketer that didn't play three years Red Bull cricket. And that was quite controversial. But I always said throughout that whole three years, and he was contracted to the club that I cover closely, I don't blame the player. I blame the game. If um, if there if he's got a, a summer where his schedule insists that he plays white ball match after white ball match after white ball match, when he does eventually get a week off, to then go back and play first class cricket, where as we've seen in this Test match, you know these guys were undercooked for red ball cricket. It's very difficult to then say, "All right, I'm going to go back and play red ball cricket this week." No, because you're in a different mindset. So. You know, and equally, players do need time away from the game. They do need a break. And the white ball calendar, if you are playing in the IPL, as Owen Morgan was up to last year, and you're captain in England, and you're playing in the T20 Blast for Middlesex, and you're playing in the One Day Cup for Middlesex, I've got no problem with the players. My problem is with the scheduling. And the scheduling is something for test cricket, um, for um, first-class cricket in domestic uh, in the domestic game. It's something that the ICC needs to think about a lot, and so do the governing bodies of each of the countries. And this week almost seemed to be a watershed moment. That everybody saw how wonderful this test was, but it finished after three and a half days because batsmen weren't ready to play the test. So as good as these batsmen were, um, as good a test as we saw, we could have seen an even better test if the batsmen had just had a little bit more preparation on both sides. For the reason I laid out earlier, India didn't have enough preparation time. And in England, there hasn't been enough Red Bull cricket played in the last couple of months for them to have preparation. So, yeah, the, the schedule is a big problem. So with Adil Rashid, I have no problem whatsoever. And I was delighted for him when he picked up the wicket and when he had the run, the bat in hand, I was cheering every run because some people have said some really nasty things about him over here. And people with links to Yorkshire have said some nasty things as well. So they know the personal problems, the personal differences that there were with Yorkshire for Rashid. Um, you know, things that go on behind the scenes that we're not privy to, but we understand that they are happening. So I didn't like the attacks on Rashid that were happening in the newspapers and in radio and in TV. Um, but I was really pleased to see him inside and really pleased to see him get that wicket. And I, I wish him a lot of luck for the rest of the series. All right, Kevin. So that was wonderful. And, uh... Definitely enjoyed this, and we hope to have you again on Cricket with an Action. Thanks for taking time out on a busy day. I know. Really appreciate that. No, thank you for having me. And anytime, it was an absolute pleasure.